Welcome to episode 36 of the Dead Idea of Ahala podcast. It's been a while. My name is Gary Butterfield. I'm your host of this variety podcast. It's the podcast that came back from the dead. It's subject to my mercurial little mood shifts. I'm such a precious little princess that uh, that I get to, you know, just be the delicate little artist that, that throws these little tantrums and fits and bullshit. It's stupid. I don't like it any more than you do. In fact, I like it less than you do. What's up? How have you been? Feeling a little punchy? Uh, I got the house to myself this weekend. It's a bachelor pad. Uh, my wife is, is visiting her family back in Illinois. Um, going and doing cool stuff. I'm hanging out here, which is fine by me. Um, had some bros over. We entered the bone zone, if you know what I mean. I fucked some bros. What? No. <laughs> That's not what I did. I, uh... <clears throat> you know, to excuse a little... Because <clears throat> I'm I'm getting sick. It's on the weekend. I hate fucking getting sick on the weekend. You know, getting getting sick during the week sucks. Missing work, you know, I, I feel irresponsible when that happens. I only have so much sick time to throw around. I'm not some kind of, like, sick time baron. Like, baron medical leave. But, uh, Thursday night I knew... That I was getting sick. My head started getting stuffy. I started getting this. So this whole weekend I've been. Just left and right. Um, that's unfortunate. Uh, but I'm okay hanging out at home in the bro zone. I've been uh, watching some Adventure Time. I ordered a pizza. It was Papa John's pizza. They have the best dipping sauces. Uh, that's not true. It is subpar pizza. This is a reverse advertisement for Papa John's. The reason I order pizza from them is because I can do it online and I don't have to talk to anybody. And it's cheap. So since my wife wasn't here, Hawaiian pizza all the way. Um, I played some video games. I, uh, I beat the game for the next episode of Watch Out for Fireballs. So that was good. I recorded some music. And now I'm getting ready to sit down and record the podcast. We're going to do this podcast. We're also going to do one next week. It's going to be the Halloween special. And then uh, probably another little break. I'm going to have the season done by the end of Thanksgiving break. i got a four-day weekend. going to have plenty of time to, to podcast you. So it's been kind of it's been a weird couple weeks taking the time off the, the show. Uh, the world didn't end. Nobody freaked out. You know, still, still the void. What's kind of happening that's weird is I'm my other show, I just mentioned that Watch Out for Fireball show, is doing really well. Like, it's it's doing really well. It's on the iTunes Top 100 video game charts, and 
lot of people are rating and reviewing. I'm getting lots of feedback in exactly the way I don't for this show. Um, and it really, you know, I don't know, it really kind of says something. You know, it, it's weird to feel that way about this and see what that can look like. Um, I've so far resisted the urge, you know, whatever fucking reverse Archimedes philosopher's stone in my brain that takes happy news and turns into sad news. Um, you know, it's a part of me that, that can't be happy for, for other people. Uh, you know, that part of me is trying its damnedest to make me depressed about this. And I've so far, I've fought it off. Um, you know, I should not be depressed about my own good fortune. That's is there, there's a word for that, right? And it's insanity. Like, do, doesn't that make me, you know, insane? If, if that's, if that's the case. Um, so I've been fighting that off, which is nice. I'm glad I've been able to fight it off. I, but, um, you know, it does kind of just underline my whole idea that this show needs some kind of retooling. You know, this may, this specific formula may not be the, the lightning in a bottle I need to package the rest of my, my non-video game personality into something. So one of, one of the things I wanted to talk about, or really the only thing I want to talk about here in this first section of the show, was uh, the difference. So it's difficult to talk about the difference between men and women without sounding like Larry, the cable guy, or Gallagher, one, two, or three, or any anybody like that. It's really tricky. But those differences exist, right? And this isn't going to be about that. Like, this isn't going to be about that except in one specific way. You know, as I get older, and I talk about this with Zach um, in this segment or next segment of the 88 Lines, uh, but as I get older, I find that I get along better with women than I do with men. You know, most of my friends are girls. I just, I don't know what it is. I, there's just something about about me. And, uh, you know, any, I hope that that any lingering inherent sexism that I had from being like a little boy is gone. You never know. You always have to be vigilant for it, I feel like. If, if the lack of vigilance, you know, that's where kind of racism and sexism kind of thrives. Oh, my cats are banging on my door. I don't know if you heard that. They're fighting because they want food. They have this thing. <laughs> it's this weird, you know, they get so hungry that... It's like, I mean, I guess that's not weird at all. That's what people do when they want food, right? They're like riots. And, uh, yeah, and I, I tell them that if they don't have cat food, they can eat catnip. You know? Let them eat that. But, um, anyway, cat fights aside. Actually, cat, <laughs> cat fights on the subject. Um, but, you know, you have to be careful. You know, and I have to be careful, you know, being who I am, not to accidentally be sexist or homophobic that's the white man's burden you know that that's what happens when you're the one percent and with women you know i definitely think that obviously that women can do anything men can do can achieve everything that a man can do um women are awesome they're fantastic um in fact i think that men can achieve most things that women can but one very important thing that men can't do is urinate and defecate in a civilized fucking manner. <laughs> um, I don't know. Growing growing up, uh, I've gone to men's rooms all my life. You know, just my whole life I've been in men's room, except for a brief period when I was like a toddler and I, I dabbled in women's rooms. But mostly I go to men's rooms. And I feel like this is this kind of fucking reverse secret garden, like anti-Narnia that maybe women don't know about. But men's rooms are fucking disgusting. Like, even in, 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 you know, regular places where you wouldn't expect it, like, they're disgusting. Like, starting at the top, like, you go to, like, 
you know, a high-end restaurant. They're fine, but they station a guy in there to clean, like, all the time. And to, like, watch you, to make sure you wash your hands and make sure you're not pissing on the floor and shit. There's a man there. If he He's the thin black and white line between those places just becoming your utopias, like every other bathroom. And then you take, you know, so I work at a university. These are, you know, and I say this with a wink, uh, America's best and brightest. These are America's future, um, these kids, and they're going to go forward and, and uh, you know, do the same thing last generations did. The men's room there, so educated uh, people who can afford to go to college, go in there and piss everywhere. Like, men can't not just piss in every direction when you go pee. I don't know what it is. Like, I do my best not to. I can aim my penis. I, I don't know if they don't want to touch it. I'm good at touching my penis. I have no problem doing it. You know, ask ask anybody. Ask, you know, anybody who, who shared a, a bunk with me when I was growing up. Ask... You know, anybody whose house I slept over at, I'm awesome at it. I can do it, you know, anytime, literally anytime that you ask me to. I can touch my penis and aim it, and then thus aim what's coming out of it. The one exception to that is if I have, like, you know, I've had sex, and then my, my penis, you know, becomes like a, uh, a garden hose with your thumb over the tip, and it just becomes a sprinkler system of, like, whoa. You know, you never know which way that's going to go. Most of the time, though, so anytime at work, I can aim my, my urine. These people can't. There's urine on the floor. There's urine on the seat. There's urine on the side of the urinal. There's a, a wall, like a divider line, between the urine and a set of stalls at my work. And you can see, literally, where urine has scorched the wall from people pissing on it. There's like, it looks like an alien died on it and its acid blood is just corroding through <laughs> It's fucking disgusting. It's just years and years of built up just pissing on the same spot, you know? Just guys just like, man, pissing on the wall. Fucking disgusting. You know, shitting, uh, most guys can aim that. Okay. But, um, you know, sometimes, you know, there's still the flush problem. There's still the, uh, you know, that's and that's a huge problem. You know, what, what person, like, people talk about that, like, When it's yellow, keep it mellow. When it's brown, you flush it down. And I, you know, if you can magically make waste disappear from the world, for all intents and purposes, do it. Do it. We want less piss and shit in our lives. You know, and God help me when I have a kid, because it's that's what kids do, is they just kind of transform money into urine and feces. And I'm not looking forward to that. And puke. Like, there's this kind of little leaking, you know, bags of, you know, disgustingness that just spray everywhere. Like a, you know, an angry skunk with infested anal glands. And, like, that's going to be disgusting. But, you know, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when when I come in it. But, like, you know, we, we want to get rid of, of urine and piss and shit as a, as a society, I feel, and me as an individual. But a guy in a bathroom, you just kind of put it everywhere for everyone to enjoy. Really repulsive. I uh, piss on the wall, crows it. You don't, you don't flush your shit. It's disgusting. Also... Guy, and, and this isn't a nice bathroom. As you get worse, you know, once sports are involved or alcohol is involved, you are in a worse bathroom that just downgrades it, and it is more disgusting. Uh, there are a lot of bars where they don't put doors on the stalls. Like, what, why? Why, 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 why? Like, who, who's comfortable just shitting in front of another man? Like, I, like, I am shy about my body because I am a tub of fat 
like just kind of wrapped up like not Samoan fat but I'm I'm American fat like I'm a I'm a fat dude and uh my penis average at best you know I do not have uh one of these like show penises that goes you know it's not a ticket to the gun show just a regular old penis just works like a penis um you know and it's not uh you know being fat guy like I don't it's not a show-off penis so I don't like doing that in general but who does? Like, who does? Why, why does that make me, you know, am I weird and everybody else just wants to shit in front of everybody? Like, nobody else is grossed out by that? But you go into these bars and, like, I don't know, they're just trying to discourage shitting? It's going to happen. Like, we can't do anything about shit. You know, it's like um, like a two-party system in our country. There's, it's never going to change. It's never going to change. We're always going to shit. We're always going to have Republicans and Democrats. And, uh... You, you, should, you should make a place to discreetly get rid of it. But these bars just have nothing there. I've walked in and had dudes shitting there. And they're, like, fucking wasted. Like, I feel so bad for them. Because, like, I imagine in soberer times, they would know better than that. But now they're just, like, they're defeated. Defeated husks of people. And uh, just shitting in public. It's fucking disgusting. Um, also, in bars, you'll run into troughs. Um, I've had to explain this concept to girls, so I know that not every girl knows about this. You also run into them at baseball games, which is, you know, a good reason not to go to a baseball game. And a trough is like, I don't know what money it's saving. I guess like you just buy one piece instead of multiple urinals, but you cheap fucking assholes. Like just, why would you, I, there's a bad use, way, bad way to save money. A trough is exactly what it sounds like. And I don't know if it's just like a species arrogantness to me, but something that's fit for a pig to eat out of is not fit for me to piss in. I don't need to stand next to a bunch of dudes and just piss into the same, you know, slip and slide. It's like a urine slip and slide. Just a huge... And then they're... Uh, <laughs> I almost tried to... I, I No girls listen to this. I almost tried to fool you as well. I have fooled girls before that there are, there are shitting versions of troughs. Where it's just like two bars and guys just sit next to each other on like a bench. But uh, that's not true. But it, you know, they're probably... They were around 20 years ago. You know, we, we, we're just now evolved after that. Like, I always talk about, like, how this society wants to pat itself on the back. Let's get rid of fucking urinal troughs. You know, like, where why isn't this on our priority list? You know, occupy fucking Shea Stadium. Like, get rid of that shit. It's repulsive. The times I've been in girls' rooms as an adult, like, just being transgressive as a teenager or whatever, it's fucking hilarious. There are mirrors and couches. They're like guest rooms. They're like guest rooms. It's so weird. And just guys, just like, we don't fucking care. We'll just piss whatever. Just give us a hole and a, and a room with dark paint and let us just piss and shit wherever and then just get out of there. Whereas girls, like, they know how to do it right. So that is one way, you know, I will forever bow to women. Women who are superior to men in that way at least, if not many other ways. But you guys know how to eliminate.
about four women he also had a very uh like boy-centric social life for for a really long time like well into my mid-20s and now um since i moved here like most of my friends are girls like i get along a lot better with women than i do with men and i don't know what happened that's because you're a pussy yeah, that's undoubtedly yeah, and they and they know their own they're just like oh this guy's a pussy yeah um, yeah. <laughs> they, they know, yeah they know you bleed the same way they yeah, do yeah it's true i i make it happen and yeah, nature <laughs> won't do it so i do it for it um, I, I, my, my penis looks like the side of a world war two bomber and I just cut a notch into it for every day. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's another, it's another vanquished foe. Um, so what you're saying is you're getting back to the goth thing. You yeah, were totally. My penis looks like the wall of a serial killer's apartment. Uh, like it's just, <laughs> I'm a cutter, but only on my Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it just, something happened where, and I don't know, you know, it's unconscious and indefensible, but undoubtedly some kind of sexism on my part uh, women. and at some point i kind of figured it out and now for you know one reason or another like you know i was really surprised that both of you know both all the times i've you know the jobs i've gotten since i've been here like i i've got some guy friends but i get along a lot better with women i don't know what it is about that so yeah yeah well and i think even you and i had some sort of odd sideways conversations over coffee at, 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 at the diner about that you know and that even then, like, even then, like, we did have women in our peer group. But but, but we, I, like, a lot of them we harbored secret crushes on. 
Like, are you, oh, of course. That, we were, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we talked about this a little. We were terrible. Yeah, we were <laughs> awful that. humans. And, and it was just like anytime, anytime a clever and pretty girl came into the group, we all like, <laughs> yeah, swirled like nerdy frat boys. But like in this weird way of rather than like being creepy and rapey, like none of us had the guts to even, you know, initiate a hug. Because real men have the balls to rape. <laughs> some real balls. Be a, join the Marines. Um, no, but I'm saying, like I'm saying, like I don't think, like like of of the the women who qualified for that, like I mean, I don't think any of us even had the balls to initiate a, a, a hug, like even a friendly hug, because it, I, I don't know, you know what I mean? Or at least that was me. Was the same thing that that was like the same thing at like the same thing in a lot of ways at 17 was the same thing that was true at like nine. Was that if I liked a girl, the last thing I would ever do is say is act it to like her. It. Yeah, act in a course. Yeah. Well, well, I you, mean, you would act like it, right? Or, or like take. I'm pretty goddamn right. transparent with Saint Joan of Arc. But what's interesting, I think that kind of one of the differences, though, and and you know, kind of explains like that evolution, is when you when we'd have these girls kind of come around to our peer group, there was still the question there, right? Like where it was like, okay, you know, we have to. This is still a possibility. Like we, this is somebody who you know. There are things to recommend them. They also are a girl. Therefore, you know, there's still this possibility and we have to settle this question of whether anything's going to happen, you know. And then once I got old enough to see that there, there are other – when you interact with a person, you know, there are, that's not the only question. You know, that's not like the, the overriding theme, you know, and that's when, when I kind of grew up in, the, in that manner, you know, and, and got better. And the other shameful thing about that sort of era with us, though, is when a woman would enter the – Enter the the coven of, yes. of, of of the pasty and nerdy or whatever. Is that what I always loved was there was this sort of unspoken like when three or four of us would have a crush on the same girl, there'd be this like unspoken like who's gonna win her, and none of us ever <laughs> yeah. win her. Like, it never happened. Yeah, it, was, it never yeah, happened yeah, at all. Yeah, watch out! It's it's uh, yeah. The, the uh, <laughs> and well, the other the other interesting thing talking about or thinking about too is like we would attract kind of like oftentimes girls who were kind of inherently inappropriate. Anyway, like the thing that we had for us, as much as we were terrible people and and pasty and gross, is that we were all smart and funny. So we would attract like I remember attracting like a good number of bland like pretty girls to our group and not very many like female counterparts to us. I remember completely specifically, I can't remember what their names were, but I think it was late high school. The girls from Kirkland. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was, I was there thinking was about. One, one thumb, Mc, one thumb, thumb McBoob <laughs> and then her really sweet friend. And they were, well, one of them was very nice and the other one was just sort of there. Right. And I think it was this weird thing where we were just, totally impressed with ourselves that a creature with boobs would hang out with us. And what I realized in retrospect is the reason we did was we were like the least sexually threatening crowd of 17 and 18 oh, year old males that have ever existed. Totally, totally. Like it was like, we get to be friends with these guys and there's no way any of them are going to put the moves on because I mean, we were like a chorus of units. Right. Essentially. Yes. Yeah. We, we were, we were harem guards. Um, yeah. You know, Castrati. And But thinking about like specifically um, that girl whose name is escaping me now, um, Billy Jean King. Yeah, that sounds right. No, that was a later yeah, girl. Are, yeah, that girl that uh, Brian dated. And Sparky. And Sparky dated. Billy Jean King. This was a, another girl, but I remember like that. I you know seriously had like a you know was real into that girl, and she was you know super sweet and real pretty. But like I just don't remember any you know 
I think it spoke to our essential male insecurity was that the reason we were attracted to her was because she found us really funny. Right. And it was really self-affirming, whereas there was a different time a few years later when sort of Emily Dickinson came into our crowd and we all had crushes on her, but Emily Dickinson held her fucking right. own yeah, and, and would bust awesome. our balls as hard as we'd bust each other's, right. you know, and was, and, and it took a while. And there were a couple of girls who, who were like that, who like, I felt like, you know, were more like not female counterparts, like they were pasty nerds, but you know, who, you know, who were more peer like in that respect. And it didn't stop us from, you know, no, I don't want to say like reducing to like a quest object, but it didn't stop us from thinking about that first. But there was definitely a more like equitable relationship, a more like mutually fulfilling relationship. So, and, and you know, we're talking about this Saint Joan of Arc girl that you were hard up for for a lot of high school. And I don't want to make it sound like she uh, was, you know, a pretty girl who, you know, was not uh, smart or funny or anything. Because she definitely was. Like she was kind of early on. Like she was. She's a top tier human. Well. She was the first – she was actually – the reason I was so hung up on her was it was the first appropriate crush I ever had, if that makes sense. Because I spent a long time and it, it took me a while to discover that, you know, and through middle school, through the, the my budding interest in romance and my budding sexuality, and even early in high school, I had crushes on the cheerleader type girls because that's what I thought I should do. And I had nothing in common with them. And I met St. Joan of Arc. And she and I became really good friends really quickly. And I developed an enormous, enormous crush on her. Um, that, that, But it was, what I will say is, even though it was failed and I was just painfully awkward. And, and the, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, that entire, that entire endeavor, my entire crush on St. Joan of Arc, especially the early stages, is uh, sort of a ringing endorsement for confidence, is that had I maybe tried to seize the day, like in the first or second week I knew her, had I the courage to, to put the moves on, maybe we would have actually dated. But because I waited until I'd known her for six months, then made it abundantly clear on the most like feeble, like, you know, you know, <laughs> like, like if not in so many words telling her I wasn't worthy of her, but I hoped she'd date me anyway. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it was pretty much what it was. And like, and it's, fine we're still good friends but one of the one of the and that, and that kind of speaks to a um you know a difference in kind of how at least i have and i think you to a large extent have worked where that that kind of speaks well of like a dating paradigm where you meet somebody and if you're attracted to them and they seem you know even reasonably cool you go on dates and kind of settle that question sooner you know the question of of whether they're going to be like potentially romantic whereas my default mode and i think a lot of our default modes for a long time was, you know, we had to vet people for longer than that to see, you know, so we would become friends with these people. And then... Yeah, dating can be vetted. Right. Yeah. And we never, I've never seen it that way. I've only gone on a few, like, actual date dates. And they've all been pretty ridiculous disasters. Like, I've mostly, you know, kind of become friends with somebody and then dated, but then they've kind of transitioned into relationships with varying degrees of success. You know, obviously, success now that I've... I've that's mostly been my experience too, even as an adult. Like I've never been a traditional dater minus a few dalliances and online dating here and there. Uh, and, uh, which I was never particularly comfortable with maybe because it was so on like, which is, you know, wrong headed of me because my intentions were so on the table. Right. 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 <laughs> Where, you know, I far prefer to be my own worst enemy. Uh, I just remember with, with St. Joan of Arc in high school, it was just this constant like drama over the course of two or three years 
of trying to it didn't work and I'd wait a few months and be her friend and then I'd make some sort of some sort of gesture and that would fail and then I'd wait and I'd do it again like anytime she was single I would do it again but sort of the most epic and pronounced story that was the the first time Austin and I went with her for the first time she ever smoked pot <laughs> and uh, we were we were sitting under a bridge in uh, I can't even remember what park it was or what the name of the park was, but there was this alcove. You know, it was high school. Mm-hmm. It was like, not like you rented your own apartment and could smoke pot in your, or drink beer in your living room like a sensible adult. You had to do really stupid and legally perilous things like hang out in parks right. smoking pot <laughs> and drinking beer, which only only the 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 apathy of the DeKalb Police Department, I think, is the reason they never <laughs> got arrested in high school. Um but we were there in the park and it was the first time she ever smoked pot and we were all a little high and I thought, well, good. Her mind's open now. <laughs> Now's my chance. Open the doors of With Austin sitting there and I, and I turned to her and I said, do you want to do shotgun hits? Which is blowing a hit of weed directly into someone else's mouth. Yeah. And Austin just started cackling at me because my, my intentions were so plain. I, th- and I thought any- the way that I, I thought you had said my, my memory of it, or the way that Austin tells it at least, is you kind of presenting the question to the room. Like, hey, does oh, yeah, anybody yeah, want to do yeah. this? Does anybody want to do shotgun? Yeah, hits? yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was my, <laughs> yeah, and, it, was my beer. and then Austin was like, yeah, me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> me, ooh, me first, I think is what he said. <laughs> and, and it's also even now, even thinking back on that, like it's a, you know, it's one of my favorite stories ever, but then I also think about like how stupid shotgun hits are. Oh yeah, it's just gonna be like this. I don't know, like. But what's funny is that entire story. People love recounting it. Austin, Saint Joan of Arc, (laughs) to a certain extent, me. It that was humiliating to me in some regards until I was about twenty three or twenty four. But it is (laughs) so ingrained (laughs) that both at at Saint Joan of Arc's wedding a few months ago, both Austin and Saint Joan of Arc made mention of it and made fun of me for it. (laughs) Um, yeah. So yeah, and and the other the other uh, the other sort of addenda addendum to that too is that at some point, really drunk during the reception of Saint Joan of Arc's wedding, Bill Richter and I high fived over the fact that 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 uh, she was his first kiss too, and I think he was seventeen <laughs> at the time as well. <laughs> they just handed out first first kisses. Well, she was yeah, which is yeah. awesome. Like it's you know it's it's and you know, someone needs to yeah totally. <laughs> totally. She's like the mother Teresa. Take a hit for the yeah, team. Totally. Yeah. Just wanted to make a quick note. You know, if you again, if you do like the show, please let me know. Please rate and review it on iTunes. Uh, my success with Watch Out for Fireballs has shown that that does make a difference for anyone who who said or thought that it wouldn't. It certainly does. So um, you know that would be awesome. If you like video games and old video games, please listen to Watch Out for Fireballs. You can find that online pretty easily. Um, And please rate and review that. And uh, this is a quick note. My friend Tanner, um, he is opening up a bookstore in Logan Square in Chicago. And he started a Kickstarter for it. And uh, he needs all the support he can get. Um, Google Uncharted Books Kickstarter to find it. It's a long, unwieldy URL, so I'm not going to just read it off. But uh, do that. You know, if you can afford some money, please donate it to him. It's a good cause. We need more bookstores. You know, and I, I wrote this little jingle for him that I'm going to end the episode with. This is my Uncharted Books jingle. And uh, here it is. 
So support me, support Watch Out for Fireballs, support Tanner, McSwain's, Uncharted Books in Logan Square, Chicago. Thank you. Do you like bookstores? Of course you do. I do too. But I don't want borders or an episode of Borders. I want stacks and stacks of awesome paperbacks, Wi-Fi for my laptop, labyrinthine corridors to explore with you. Let's go to Books is an independently operated bookstore located at 2630 North Milwaukee Avenue in Chicago, Illinois. It's the bookstore you always wanted, whether you knew it or not. Long live books.